Good evening, lunatics. Today is February 16th, 2024. This is episode 196 of the Blue Ribbon Podcast. And you know, the great thing about operating a fleet of trucks and having a podcast is that um, you don't have to write. It, 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 it all writes itself, right? You just, you, you just live every day. Uh, and sometimes and then, we couldn't write it as good as it happens. Oh yeah. I mean, cause some of this stuff you can't just make up, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, we've already got a question about, uh, Kevin Rutherford. So, uh, we have been invited to have our podcast, the audio podcast on Kevin Rutherford's audio road. Um, I had a talk with their technical people this week. It's probably going to be a couple of weeks. Um, I have delivered all of the, well, not all the audio files, but probably back to episode 134 so far. So that means they've got about 60 episodes um, that I've sent him so far. So that will be on Kevin Rutherford's audio road <clears throat> sometime in the next two or three weeks. We will, I'm sure they'll make an announcement. We'll make an announcement and uh, we'll let everybody know uh what's happening with that so um and yeah but it'll it's just gonna be the audio um aaron their tech guy is is i mean he's a he's a nerds nerd he's my kind of people we had a great conversation and they've got a lot of really cool things in the works it just takes time and of course money to get all of that so and i'm sure if kevin opened the checkbook and gave aaron everything he wanted to kevin would have to sell that big house so, you know, it's all about timing, right? <clears throat> so, uh, well, you know, so most of you have seen the thumbnail and you have seen the, uh, the, the title, uh, you know, how can shops be this bad? So let's just start out with, and, and just deliver the goods. Uh, we have a truck in our fleet, a 2006 Freightliner, Columbia, 14-liter Detroit, D-Deck 5, straight 10-speed, 358 rears. The truck has been, uh, with, I looked up today, the first fuel up on that truck was February 7th, 2022. So that truck has been in the fleet two years. That truck has earned about $400,000 in its time. Uh, and from the day we bought it, uh, or I'm sorry, the day we brought it into the fleet, it has been a turd. Uh, it has just been underpowered. Uh, we've tried, it's had the motor rebuilt and we've put injectors in it and we put a turbo on it. And we've just tried to figure out why this truck is just so underpowered. Now, the fact that it's made $400,000 in a couple of years, it's been running freight and it's pulled a van. It's pulled a Conestoga. It's pulled a step deck. Now it's pulling flatbed. But for whatever reason, this truck has just been a turd. Well, about two days ago, the driver reported like, Hey, this thing's normally a turd, but it's like really bad. Like it, it's just, it won't get out of its own way. Um, I, I can't get, I can't make 50 miles an hour. And I'm like, gosh, we're, we're going to have to do something. <clears throat> so he goes in and gets his load delivered. Now preface and disclaimer, I am not going to name names in this story because that's not what this is about. If this was a one-off deal and this was the only time that this has happened, I would pull somebody's pants down. But this is an entire industry. 
Okay. This is an entire segment of the trucking industry and the repair industry. We don't need to name and we don't need to single out because there's guilty son bitches everywhere. Okay. But we did make a phone call to somebody we know and said, Hey, we're in this area. Can you recommend somebody? And he said, yeah, I'll take it over here. And we're like, great. So we take it over there and they, they got us right in. All right. Which is, which is great. There's no, we'll get to you in two weeks. They're like, Hey, we'll pull you right in the shop. So they pulled us in the shop and they spent about four hours with it. And right at the end of the day, uh, they called and said, well, we found your problem. You need a turbo and you need an EGR cooler. And I'm like, okay, wow. Well, I, I know how much a turbo costs and I know how much an EGR cooler costs. And I'm like, well, this is, this is pricey. So they send the estimate. It's $9,700. <clears throat> now here's where the teaching comes in. This is what we're trying to teach y'all. Okay. As what we're going to do is we're going to walk through all of this with you as the decisions that we made to get where we are. <laughs> well, I start think I try to start thinking critically and logically. Now I am not a mechanic. I've never been trained to be a mechanic, but I have turned a wrench or two. And I went through this in my mind. Okay. The EGR cooler has a crack and it's causing the EGR cooler to lose boost. I'm like, okay, well that, that, that's plausible. Okay. Now, normally on a Detroit, if you have a cracked EGR cooler, you are eating or leaking coolant. We had neither one of those conditions. Well, your turbo's just, I mean, your turbo's just all over the place and, and the, and the turbo is also bad. And I couldn't get away in my mind from thinking that the chances of two expensive, big items going bad at the same time. Um, and the fact that we've had a long standing issue with this truck being underpowered and now it's just really gotten bad. Um, I just couldn't, I just couldn't pull that trigger. And I said, well, you know what guys, I appreciate the time you spent on it. What do I owe you right now? It was 400 bucks. I said, okay, we're going to pay that bill. I've got a shop back in West Virginia. It's 700 miles that we'd have to deadhead this truck, but we got out our friend the BSE 9,000. And I know that I could save $1,800 right off the bat on the price of the turbo. Okay. So that pays the bill, the fuel. Okay. To get the truck back here, just the savings on the turbo alone. There was about $3,000 worth of labor on this bill. Um, and as I went through the bill, they had the part numbers and I start looking up part numbers and they're saying, well, Hey, this thing is bad. I'm like, okay. Problem is that thing wasn't on the bill, but three or four other things were on the bill. And I said, well, how about some pictures? So they the said, estimate. the uh, estimate, not the bill, the estimate, estimate. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. Um, the, the things are on there that I would think based on what I've been told would be on there. They're not, there are other things that shouldn't be. And I said, so how about some pictures? And I, I got four pictures that base absolutely showed me nothing. So we made the decision to deadhead this truck 770 miles, I think, back to West Virginia. Just let's, we've just learned this lesson enough times. Boy, it's going to be uncomfortable and boy, it's going to suck. But let's get this thing back here under our care and control 
and let's see how and where we may be able to minimize this problem. Okay. So he, he made the journey back here and just damn near didn't make it. I mean, his truck was at one point, 45 miles an hour wide open. So he gets here this morning. I'm there waiting on him. We pull it in the shop. I open the hood and I look down and a fuel filter caught my eye. Uh-huh. I wonder when the last time that fuel filter was changed. So I went and I got it, it didn't catch your eye because it was shiny and new. It caught your eye because it was well, awful no, it, no, it, it, it honestly caught my eye because it was there. Now, most of our trucks have a Davco filter, which is if you don't know what Davco is, it's the one that has the plastic clear bowl on top, which is very easy to see when the Davco needs changed. This is a fuel water separator that has a little plastic somewhat see-through thing on the bottom of it. And so it's not, it's not really easy to tell when it's ready to be changed. But I thought, okay, well, I was already going to check fuel pressure because um, I had reached out to, uh, oh gosh, and I forget his name's Kent something. Kent, uh, anyway, I apologize for, but wait a minute, it's on my phone. Because uh, I'm going to give this guy a shout out because he's he Kent Calibrations. Kent Calibrations on Facebook. I bumped into him in a group somewhere the other day, and he and I were messaging back, back and forth, and he said, well, hey, have you checked the fuel pressure on this truck? No, I have not checked the fuel pressure on this truck. So I get the fuel pressure uh, gauge okay. out, and the 14-liter D-Deck 5 Detroit is supposed to be 12 to 18 PSI at idle and 29 to 35 at like 1800 RPM. So I hooked the fuel gauge to, or the pressure gauge to it and we fire it up and it sits there and it's bobbing on about 18. And I said, well, mash her to the floor. And so he holds it to the floor and 18 PSI, it just sits there. And I thought, well, Hey, ladies and gentlemen, I found ourselves a problem. So I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get a filter. I'm going to put that fuel filter on there, and I'm going to test it again. So we called our friends at Napa. They sent a filter over. It was $35. I screwed it on there. We fired it back up, and would you all believe that we hit 28 PSI of fuel pressure after changing that dirty-ass filter? Now, I took a, I've got one of those little Harbor Freight extendable mirror things, you know, and I've got a flashlight and I'm trying to look in between the block and the EGR cooler. And I'm looking for a crack. I'm looking for soot. I'm looking for whatever I can find. Right. I'm just trying to find something that makes sense to me. Well, folks, if you've got half of the fuel pressure that the engine desires, there's a pretty good chance that your turbo is going to be like, I don't know what to do right now. Okay. So we drove the truck and, and I, and I, I, uh, I talked to Kent calibrations. I said, you know what, this, this at, at wide open throttle, this thing's bobbing on about 26, 27 PSI, and it should be like up to 35. We have no idea about the age of this fuel pump. I said, 350 bucks. I'm going to throw a fuel pump on it. So I'm doing that tomorrow. Right. But y'all, it was a 10, thousand dollar estimate what if somebody said okay well i guess go ahead and do ten thousand dollars worth of work and i've got to believe that when you pick the truck up there'd be a little bit 
note on the bottom that said we also changed your fuel filter. You cannot throw logic away, okay? The shop industry has. The logic is gone, okay? It, it's died a slow, horrible, painful death. Logic and common sense do not exist in the shop industry. It's, it's dead. It's over. So who's that leave? You, Mr. Owner-Operator and Mrs. Owner-Operator. Um, you have to be the one that says, what if you're wrong? What if you're wrong? Uh, who who pays the bill if you're wrong? Well, they're not. You're not going to. You're not going to be like, oh, well, it was only the fuel filter. Um, here, we'll 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 take the turbo and the EGR cooler back, and we'll give you your money back. It's not happening. They're going to cash that check, and you're going to pay that bill. How many times have owner operators over however many years went into a shop? been completely cleaned out by a shop only to find out that it didn't fix the problem. So when I was telling Chris Dolan this today, he was telling me about a customer he had that went to a competitor and a competitor puts high, you know, one of these newer trucks, puts high pressure fuel pump and all this crap on the truck still wouldn't run right. So they brought it to Dolan and guess what? The whole time, it was a dirty fuel filter. Now I am kind of kicking myself a little bit because Carl Bone Cutter would have lit me up for not at the at the very first sign of trouble. Well, hey, let's stop and change this fuel filter. Because if we would have done that a thousand miles ago, probably we don't we don't end up in this situation. Uh, but I, I listen. Now, I, have I, you checked to see that we haven't paid somebody to change that fuel filter as part of an A service? No. Uh, I have not, um, uh, that's a lot of paperwork to go through and, uh, just not feeling it right now. Um, and, and fuel filters are, fuel filters are tricky y'all, you know, oil filters, we do on them on an interval, but a fuel filter, you know, it's, I, on, it's on an interval too. It's on a, it's on a B service or well, not on a C service. Well, it is, it is, but it's different if you have a DAVCO versus a spin on right? The DAVCO makes it easy. We check the DAVCO. It's very easy to see when it fills up with fluid, it's dirty, but you could change a filter in 8,000 miles, or you could change a filter in 20,000 miles, a fuel filter. Um, they can get dirty in a thousand miles and they can get dirty in 20,000. It's, it's not just a, it's not static because one bad tank of fuel and your filters are plugged up and you know, uh, and that could be the case here, you know, uh, that we got a dirty tank of fuel, you know, I, I doubt it. I just figure it's been a while. And this truck is an anomaly because of the style of filter that it has. But aside from all that, the issue that an owner operator, an inexperienced owner operator, lease operator, whatever, um, that goes into a shop like this with a, with a, a, fair, a fairly big name, it's not some hole in the wall. This is a this is a well established shop that came recommended to us by someone we trust. Okay. Um, I, we have to question everything and everybody. We have to question them. We can't take their their word at face value. 
They need to prove to me that this is the problem. And the whole time through this, they won't let the driver in the shop to look and see what's going on. That was a major red flag. I mean, hell, lots of time TA will let you in the damn shop. And we're, we're going to get to TA here in a little bit too. But you have to be the person that you can trust because it's your money. And when it's your money, guess who's in charge? You are. The shop form is not in charge. The mechanic's not in charge. The guy that owns the shop ain't in charge. You're in charge. And so you have to walk in that building and you have to stand in that authority. You know what, guys? Sorry, I'm just not buying it. We have towed trucks out of shops, right? We have said, you know what? We're not doing this. We're not doing this. We're, we're, we are going to get this truck out of here. And now we've not had to do that a lot. I think we've done it twice. But if we have to, I will hook a record of this son of a bitch and we will go down the road and find somebody else. And that's just not generally uh, the, the route that people are willing to take. And when, uh, when there's this, this belief that, oh, hey, man, he look, he's got patches on his arm, his name's on his shirt. Uh, there's a certificate on the wall that's, you know, said, well, he passed a test. So I have to do everything he tells me to. No, you don't. No, you don't. He has to do what you tell him because you are the customer and you are in charge. That's how this works. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, it's just, it, being an owner-operator is hard. You know, it was a hard decision to say it's going to cost us $500 to deadhead this truck to West Virginia, it cost us $400 for their diagnostics. Wasn't worth it. Okay. And I essentially got the truck back to its normal self. I'm working on getting beyond that. But I got the truck back to normal for $35 in about 30 minutes of my time. $10,000 doing it their way, about $1,000 doing it my way. You know, it's just hard. It's just hard. And and it's hard for people that are company drivers and they're tired of living the, the grind. And they say, well, you know, my life will be so much better if I own the truck. Hmm. That can be true. Um, that could be true. But uh, you better be prepared to make some really tough decisions because... Things can get out of hand very, very quickly. Larry, what do you have to add? Well, a couple of things. Uh, one is a lot of people wouldn't have even thought of that being an option because they wouldn't have gotten the calculator out. They wouldn't have figured out what it costs to get up, get it back and see that now that's not really a, that's now a no-brainer. But we've always said, you know, let the calculator make the decision. And here's a perfect example of it. You know, we can get the calculator. We can say, okay, we can get this truck back here under our control where we can probably get a better diagnostician, probably get a better, um, more accurate diagnosis of what's wrong, uh, and certainly be able to control the price of parts and things like that, and whether or not we're going to use them. There, once you say yes, that part never comes. Once it goes on a ticket, it never comes off. Um, here, we could have, if we're doing it, we could, if, if it doesn't fix it, we take it off, take it back, 
and we don't pay for it. So, um, but again, making that that decision making process, that that the problem solving process of coming to the conclusion that it's in our best interest to bring this truck back here, that's the critical thing. That's the that's the teaching moment here. Mm-hmm. Um, is uh, taking the time to do the math and make and because the math will make the decision. You don't have to worry about making decisions if you'll just do the numbers. It works this time. Works every time. Works no matter what you're doing, whether it's p- taking a load, buying fuel, fixing it. It doesn't matter. It works every time. But you have to go through the process. You have to start that problem-solving process and triage that, and let that uh, decision chain happen, and then uh, follow your instincts. But so many people would be afraid to do that. Be afraid they piss off the shop. They'd be afraid that, oh, that'd be ridiculous to drive a truck all the way back. You know, I, that just what you know. What if it breaks down the side of the road? I got to call a wrecker. Well, you figure the factor that in. Um, but there's a way to make these decisions, and it comes down to just getting the calculator out. It's that simple. Yeah. Now, now let me ask you a question hypothetically. Mm-hmm. What if there was a shop that people could come to that? Number one, if it didn't fix the problem, they didn't charge them. Number two, if they put a part on there that didn't need it, take it back off and gave them the money back. What yeah. if that shop existed? What do you think would happen? Well, you would you would you would hope that that shop could uh, it could grow, you know, um, and and have people waiting. I called another guy in the area that was recommended to me by a mobile guy. Okay, I first I called this mobile guy. And I told him the deal and he said, well, listen, he said, I'm not trying to give away business, but you've got a Detroit. You should probably call this guy. Okay. Well, this guy, whoever he was, I don't even remember his name now, got big character check marks from me because he's like, listen, I'll, I'll come out, you know, but it's going to be this much and a road call and that, and that, and other. He said, you better call this guy first. So I called that guy. And the lady that answered, she's like, well, unfortunately, we're only by appointment. And I went, oh, so he is the real deal, right? He's only by appointment, which means he has, uh, he has a, a customer list and a clientele. I mean, it's the same way with Pittsburgh Power. You don't call Pittsburgh Power up today and get in tomorrow. You know, they'll be like, we'll see you in two weeks, right? Um, but, you know, uh. It's just, you would think that people in the customer service business, but I guess part of it is you just, uh, people come in and you never see them again, you know? Yeah, Uh, it's it's a a geographically driven uh, service model, not, not a destination model. By that, I mean, you don't usually pick a shop to go to. You go to the one that's the most closest to you when you broke down because that's the cheapest one to get to because of the cost of towing. Um, another predatory industry. Yeah. Uh, that we could pick on a lot. Um, but, um, but that's, I mean, you're in a, you're, you have, they have a captive market. If you're situated along the interstate and there's a thousand trucks that go by there every day, there's going to be a certain number of those trucks that break down within a few miles of your shop. And that's what drives your customer, not them liking what you did or getting referred to you by somebody. It's the, their locale versus where you were when you broke down, and unfortunately, that that is such a uh, a driver of this industry that they don't have to worry about customer service because they don't care if you come back or not. Because if you don't come back, somebody else will break down in the same spot you did, and tomorrow, and they'll have they have another customer. 
but that's the rest the problem with this with this part of this industry is that it's not uh, driven by the fact that people want to do business with you it's driven by the fact that people think they have no choice but to do business with you and then the shops act like they well we know we got you because what are you gonna do tow it out of here like yeah like that's gonna happen you know uh and so they just they just bend you over and don't even get the vaseline out you know um but um Chris, what Chris said is true. If if it's 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 buyer beware, and in this situation, if you don't take the time to educate yourself and arm yourself with at least some uh, halfway uh, knowledge of how these things work, where you could tell the difference between it raining on you or somebody's pissing on your boot, mm -hmm. then you're going to get this is going to happen to you over and over and over and over and over again, until you educate yourself and go, you know what? No, uh, that's this does make it makes no sense whatsoever and take the uh, initiative to control your own situation instead of letting them control you. And it takes a, it takes a pretty huge set of, of uh, testiculars to go in there and do that. But, uh, you know, it, 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 it's just one of those things that you have. If you get burned enough, you'll, you'll, you'll grow those yourself. But you're better, better off if you'll go ahead and, and get a surgical uh, implant now and not have to get burned before you grow them to, to stand up for yourself. And a surgical implant is simply educating yourself and uh, and not being afraid to try things on your own. You know, every time somebody works on a truck, if you're in the sleeper birth, you're not learning anything. Right. If you watch them and ask questions, next time that happens, you will know and you'll see how easy it was for them to fix it and how simple these these machines really are. They're not all that complicated. After all, mecha these mechanics who who uh, have to have their name on a shirt to find out how to get to work are, are working on them. Um, so how much, how, how difficult it would it be for someone that's halfway educated to work on one? Um, so, um, if you've ever sit around and talk to a bunch of those guys, you'll find out that they're not the smartest people in the, in the room. Okay. Uh, most of them are learn what somebody next to them has told them to do. And, uh, and they don't ask any questions. They don't, you could, you can engage them in conversation and get over their head so quickly that, uh, you would be shocked at, at how little that they know, you know, um, well, Unfortunately, and, and, and people have correctly pointed out in the comments, especially on TikTok. Well, why didn't you change the filter? Uh, listen, that that's a valid point, and I'm kicking myself now for not doing that. But we don't know that we didn't, okay? Because we we paid. At, listen, here we're gonna pick on the shop, okay? It's called TA, all right? <laughs> uh, and there's a bunch of them all over the country, and I have literally, literally been on my hands and knees in front of them at a trade show, begging them to get their shit together so that we don't have this problem. But we pay. Every 12,500 miles, we pay for a TA to grease every grease fitting in our truck. But yet, we, we when we go in and, and work on our trucks, we find all these joints that are dry. They haven't had grease in them in years. Although every 12,500 miles, we pay somebody to do it. How hard is it to put a grease gun on a grease fitting? So, um, you know, that, that's another problem. You can, you can think you had it done and find out later that they didn't do it. Uh, even though they charged you for it and you paid for it, and it says on the on the ticket there, you know, uh, the little story that the mechanic writes on there. You know, I, I pulled it in the shop. I went and took a piss. I came back out, opened the door. Uh, you know, I, I got the grease gun out. I got under it. I greased the fit. It took grease, mm -hmm. and absolutely complete bald face lie. You know, uh, none of that happened except going to take it a piss part. You know, everything else was fabrication. But uh, so you can't assume that either. You can't just say, okay, well, I'm gonna. I'm going to pay somebody to do this and, and trust that they did it. Um, because listen, we can prove to you that it doesn't get it. something as simple as a grease fitting. 
uh, is not getting greased when we pay somebody specific. When it's not part of a service, we ask for a chassis lube, chassis lube, mm-hmm. you know, uh, not like you, 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 we ask for something else and you forget this part. That's what we ask to have done. You know, we pay their $35, what do they charge to do it? Uh, and then, you know, now we have to go out there and get under the truck and look under it and make sure they did it. You know, we have, we have to say, we're not paying the bill till you prove to me that the grease is in there. So you got to go out there and you got to have them. Now you, now you've insulted the guy, but you know what? You, you just don't have any choice. That's what you have to do. Otherwise you're throwing a U joint line down the road and you just got it greased and you can't understand why you just throw a U joint out. You know, it was just greased. Maybe, maybe not. Probably not. Uh, T.A., you, you should be ashamed of yourself. You need to get your ass together because you suck quite frankly. And unfortunately, we, we, we're out here, we depend on you because you've got the parking space, you've got half-assed restaurants, you've got the fuel. So we're there anyway. We, we have to use your shop because of, 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 of logs and not being able to drive uh, with, on an ELD to another shop without running our hours. So we do it while we're there and we depend on you to provide a service to this industry. And you're horrible at doing it. You're absolutely, your customer service people drive off more work than they bring in because they try to find a way not to do it. If you're walking, notice when you go into a TA shop, they hate to give you all the reasons why they can't get to you. Oh God, we're, we've got somebody called in sick today. We're, we're eight hours before we get to you. They do everything they can to discourage you from using their service. You know, you have to make them sometimes uh, uh, work on your truck. You know, that's okay. I'll stay here. You know, it's well, okay. I have, I have got, I have got to use that beautiful segue that you have just laid out for me. Oh my God. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Preface disclaimer. Everybody hear me clearly. I am about to tell you a story about something that I saw an owner operator going through on TikTok. Okay. I am not trying to beat up on this guy. I'm not trying yeah, to, you are. I, I know I really am. I'm not okay. I'm not trying to punch down on him. The, the only reason that this show exists, that this company exists, that this training program exists is because one day I raised my hand and said, I'm an idiot. I made a lot of stupid choices and stupid decisions that destroyed my business so I'm going to use an example of something that is apparently ongoing um, to, to give us an opportunity to learn some lessons. Okay. That that's, that's the, that's why we're doing this. Okay. So I'm going to tell you a story about John. Oh, flatbed John. Now I saw the first TikTok. There's 17 or 18 of them telling this story. I saw the first one and watched a little bit of it and I moved on. But damn it, that algorithm. It's like, hey, hey, watch this again. Watch watch this. And I'm like, but I don't want to. Okay. And I scroll past and it, nope, nope, look, here it is. Come on now. I know you want to watch. No, I do not TikTok. I do not. I don't want to hear this story. I do not want to get embroiled in this drama. But yet here we are. But yet here we are. So I I watch them all. Our story begins on January 25th. It's a Thursday. John goes to the TA Nut Grove and he has them install a windshield wiper motor for him. He bought the parts. They complete this task. Now, 
preface the, uh, the, the, the headline of this story is TA wrecked my truck and denies responsibility. That's the headline. So this is Thursday, the 26th. Now for clarity, that's a Petro and Oak Grove. This is a TA. So this it's a TA that's down, down the road a little bit. Yeah. This is a TA. Okay. Yeah. A little small TA. <clears throat> yeah. So it's Thursday. Okay. He sits there till the following Wednesday because I don't haul cheap freight. Okay. Now the first lesson that we are going to learn from the blue ribbon way of doing things is we do not set a re- around a week because we don't haul cheap freight. Okay. A truck making $0 is not doing you any good. Okay. Um, we, uh, feel stop. Um, you're not helping. Um, uh, so he waits a week. All right. It's been, it's been a week now. He's booked himself a load. It's an oversized load. So apparently flatbed John has got some skills. Okay. He can haul oversized freight. It's Wednesday. He goes to do a walk around around the truck and he finds a large puddle of oil under the truck. Okay. I, I have a problem. I've just ordered a bunch of permits for this oversized load. I've got to pick it up tomorrow, and I've got a giant puddle of oil under my truck. So he walks into the TA, and this, y'all, how this even began, I'll never understand. But he walks into the TA and says, I, I appear to have a massive oil leak. Looks like a rear main seal. Can you TA? put a rear main, main seal in my truck. Okay. Now I'm on sidebar. Pause just for a second. There was a time when we had the single greatest living mechanic that has ever walked planet earth. One Carl bone cutter working at a TA who was capable way beyond what TA would do. And they would not let him turn a bolt that was outside their, you know, brakes and tires and air conditioners and airbags and shit. Okay. They would not let this highly qualified, highly motivated, best mechanic that has ever lived touch our trucks. Well, oh boy, at Oak Grove says, sure. I will pull the transmission out of your truck at this TA and do a rear main seal. <clears throat> and John's TikTok says, um, well, I told him that uh, I needed to have this done by tomorrow morning so I can go pick up my load in St. Joseph, Missouri at 10 a.m. Okay, well, the checking the, the the chances that any mechanic, okay, our shop is going to pull you in Wednesday noon, pull your transmission, change your rear main seal, have your transmission back in your truck, and you a hundred and whatever it is, two hundred miles down the road by ten a.m. No chance, no chance, not happening. So they put the truck in, they yank the transmission, the clutch is laying on the catwalk. Well, it turns out it's not a rear main seal. It's a it's a, a bell housing flywheel cover gasket that's leaking. So they say, we're going to have to push your truck out of the shop. Now, this truck has no oil in it. The engine will not run. It has no air pressure. And the brakes are caged. So John gets in the truck. And these two single-celled organisms, I guess, shove his truck out the door. 
There ain't a sign of brakes on this truck. There is no possible way to stop this truck from the cabin. And so John just heads across the parking lot until it runs out of steam and it rolls back to the shop. And they thought, well, hell, that didn't work. <laughs> <clears throat> so they get to forklift and they're going to push John with a forklift up to the bobtail parking uphill. So they push him up there and they get him in the spot. Now I'm watching this and I'm thinking, okay, well, this is the point where we get out our three quarter inch, great big, long, uh, impact socket. And we just take the caging bolts out so that the truck has parking brakes. Nope. They just pull the forklift out of the way and across the parking lot, John goes and all the, he's got a diagram all the way around the truck stop and down right backwards. Okay. All around the fuel pile until it stops. So they hook him back up to the forklift and they shove him back up in there again. And he says they went to put something under the tires that I didn't understand what it was. And he says, how about we use wheel chocks to which I imagine they went, yeah, okay, let's use wheel chocks. So they get wheel chocks. As the story goes, they put him in the shop and back out of the shop because <clears throat> the, they've got the wrong parts again. And so I believe if I'm correct, the truck goes into the shop for a third into the shop for a third time. They're pulling him backwards. Okay. The, the with a service truck. The service truck's going backwards, and his truck is going. His truck with no brakes, no air pressure, no oil, and caged parking brakes. They're pulling backwards. They back into another service truck with the service truck, which then John's truck backs into their service truck. And he has pictures of the ends of his frame going through the grill of the service truck. So now I'm not sure if they've refused to put the truck back together or he says, you're not going to, I don't know what's happened. Now, John believes there's over $8,000 of damage done to his truck. He believes it's going to take another $5,000 for somebody else to put it together. And he also said he believes it's going to be a $2,000 uh, tow bill, like $13,000, $15,000 to put this all right. Now, I empathize with John's position that, <clears throat> number one, never should have happened. Whoever, and I figure this guy, today's the 16th. I'd say this guy at TA has been fired in about 16 days now. Um, I'd say it's been 16 days uh, because somebody walked in that door and went, you did what? You you pulled the transmission out of a truck in this TA shop? Go to the house. But, guys, if a person comes up to you and they say, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get up in that truck right there that has no brakes. And we're just going to shove you out the door. The answer is no. No, you, it's going to take a tank, an army, a tow truck, okay? It's going to take all kind of stuff for you to make me get in this truck. I'm going to sit my ass up in this truck with no brakes, and y'all just going to shove me out and wish me the best of luck. That's not happening. Well, that happened three times. John also has a screenshot on his TikTok of an email that he got from TA corporate that says, here is an ACH form 
we will deposit $10,000 into your checking account today. And John said, no, thanks. John is still sitting there, by the way, as the, as of the couple hours before this show, I saw another one popped up and y'all it's been from the 20s. Well, technically from the 31st of January to now it has been 17, almost 17 days. Now our trucks generally make, make about a thousand dollars a day. There's so I'm going to use that number. That's $17,000 in lost revenue. And we know he was a heavy haul guy. Right. <clears throat> so, you know, he, he should be able Probably to double there. Yeah. He, he, he should at least be able to <clears throat> do 50% better than that. So it, let's say it's 1500 a day. Okay. Um, now we're at whatever that number is, but guys, this going back to our original story, when someone tells you, number one, yeah, I can pull your transmission. 8,500 is the number. 8,500. 17 days times 1,500. Mm -hmm. 8,500. That can't be. 1,500. Seven, 17, 17 times 1,500. Sorry, 225. There you go. Um, again, we have, we have pulled trucks out of shops. Correction, 255. 25.5. Thank you. It's a lot of money, no matter how you slice it. There's a lot of money. Now, when we, <laughs> Lee Byer, <laughs> so John's going to be a little bit late to the shipper. <laughs> uh, listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to hate on John. I, John, by all accounts, seems like a good guy, okay? But, guys, there's decisions along the way. Um. And that came, that, that came in my, at some point in my life, when I looked at whatever giant steaming pile of dog shit that I found myself sitting in, and I just rolled back a few steps. Okay, where was the step that started me down this path to being in the steaming pile that I'm sitting in right now? And I could usually roll back, but but it's hard to do because taking responsibility for bad decisions on your behalf that maybe puts you in front of somebody that eventually causes you trouble. Okay. Now you'll love this part. I texted our local TA, the TSA, the manager, a link to this TikTok, And I said, Hey, um, I reckon y'all going to be getting a company wide memo here for long. So here's the story. Uh, just, just so you're aware of it to which she immediately responded with, here's what I'm dealing with today. And it was a picture of one of their service trucks shutting down interstate I-64 because it had burned completely to the ground, um, which was a great analogy for what's been happening at yeah. TA here lately. Um, yeah, it's Oak Grove TA is, uh, is where he was talking about. Look, it's bad, okay? It's bad for John. It's bad for TA. It's bad. He's he's leased to Mercer. It's bad for it's just bad all the way around. Okay. But I can tell you with absolute certainty, had the blue ribbon management team been in charge of this situation, that truck would have been fixed, rolling and making money three days, maybe four. <clears throat> 
maybe longer if I just couldn't find somebody competent and I took the toter, went out, and I drugged the son of a bitch back to West Virginia myself and fixed it here. Right. I, I mean, we the one thing that we are exceptionally good at is getting ourselves in the situation. And that's the thing that I want a bunch of y'all aspiring owner operators, your company drivers, you're thinking about doing this. I want you to think about how lonely it can be. Okay. Because you find yourself out in a, in a situation. There's no, there's no help coming. Um, your carrier might give you some money, but, and I saw, I, I went through the comment. Well, I'd like to know what Mercer's doing for you. What the hell job is it Mercer? What, 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 what responsibility is it of Mercer to fix this dispute between an owner operator and TA? Now, I, listen, I promise heads aren't going to roll at TA. Okay. There ain't no doubt. And I can't wait for <laughs> BCO days. A if, year not, if, if not by the actions of that day, by, by the time somebody hears this, this uh, podcast and, and, and let somebody TA know, you yeah. should you should link this to the TA what, buddy. What'll be great is like two years from now, we're at a BCO days or something. And they got the little TA. Yeah. yeah. I said, hey, y'all remember John? Oh, yeah. We remember. Actually, the truck show coming up would be a great place for yeah. it. Hey, yeah. Have y'all met, have y'all met Flatbed? How, John? How's John doing? John doing. Um, uh, listen, I, but guys, listen, I'm going to go back to the disclaimer and put it in. I'm the king of making stupid decisions like this, getting myself in a bad position. And it brought about the end of my business. Okay. And, and we are here to teach and train and educate. And sometimes we have to look at a situation that is, I mean, it's just right there, you know, blame the TikTok algorithm. Cause I tried to ignore it. Okay, I tried to move on. I kept scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, and the TikTok algorithm was like, you get your ass back here, and you watch this video. Okay, I watched it, and God help us all. I, so, John, I, somebody's asking what his at is. I don't remember right offhand. Um, he's got to go fund me. I, I wish John wasn't in this situation. I think John follows us on TikTok, so I'm sure somebody will – put in front of him. It's probably going to make him mad and I'm not trying to hurt his feelings and I'm not trying to pile onto him, but, uh, this all started at a, there was a seminal decision and that decision as an owner operator was walking into the wrong shop and asking, or, or letting the shop tell you to do something that is completely against all logic. Yeah. Completely outside <clears throat> their wheelhouse, completely outside their wheelhouse. Um, you know, I just, guys, it's just, it's just, it's just hard. Um, well, I'm going to take this opportunity to segue into something else that you and I have talked about that I think we need to bring up. And that is that the, 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 the number one reason why we have this program is to teach people how to deal with these situations. Okay. It's, it's a beautiful thing that our program also allows you to make money while you're here it might not compete with every company job out there that you have, but you also would never get that education at that company job. So when you come here, understand something. The number one reason you come here is for the education. The, the money you make while you're here is a bonus. It's a plus. It makes everybody be able to do this without charging each other money to do it. But it's not the number one reason to come here. And um, 
So you guys that are thinking about coming here or already here understand that that we have this program to teach you these lessons and the value of these lessons far exceeds a couple hundred bucks extra that you're going to make or not make by, by, by driving a truck for us versus some of our company driver. That's not the, that's not the value that you're getting by being here. So uh, I just want to throw that out there while we have this moment to, to illustrate this. Yeah. And, and we've had a lot of these, we've had a lot of these opportunities where when you're here, and you're driving the truck and you have the opportunity to witness problem solving in action. Larry always says that if, you know, if the plane he's in, you know, ever crashes, you're going to find evidence that he was doing this all the way down. Cause we ain't going to quit until we have exhausted every possible option, um, to, to, to solve the problem. And that's what business is. Business it, success in business is service, obviously, but it's basic problem solving. You find someone that has a problem, and if you'll go solve that for them, they don't care how much you charge. They really don't. I would pay $200 an hour for truck service. I just need it to be worth $200 an hour. But when you charge $200 an hour and the guy who doesn't have any training has never been to school to be a mechanic is a better diagnostician than you are. You can take that $200 and choke on it. Okay. <clears throat> Start charging 50 if that's what you're going to be worth. But, to, but, but, well, look, I've got my name on my shirt and there's certificates and we have a brand name and we're the dealer and I don't give a shit. Be worth it. And that, that, and I, and I, I challenge owner operators be worth those big ass rates. Y'all think you want, you want four or $5 a mile, go be worth four or $5 a mile. But a bunch of y'all want to charge four or $5 a mile and be worth the plug nickel business. Don't work that way. You, you are rewarded for how well you serve people. So that's my, my whole frustration with this whole thing is the fact. And I'm going to roll back to the, to before when someone, why didn't you change your fuel filter? Well, I should have, I should have thought of that, but y'all, I went to the certified professionals that were recommended by someone we trust. You wouldn't think that maybe they would be like, Hey, have y'all changed the fuel filter on this truck lately? No, here's a $10,000 estimate for stuff you don't need. That's what we got. Oh my God. I can't be every damn thing for everybody. Lord have mercy. It's just, it's just crazy. So, I'm, I'm just, I, I want people to experience there is, there is joy in business. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> um, but it, it comes after a lot of hard work. And if you're a company driver hearing the sound of my voice right now, and you want to be an owner operator, I encourage you to give it a shot. Okay. But I need you to understand you're going to work twice as hard 
as you do now, if you want to succeed. Now, you, you can come and phone it in and do it for a little while. But if you want to succeed as an owner-operator, and you're a company driver right now, you're making $1,800, you are making $2,200, you are making $2,500 a week, you're making hundred grand, whatever it is. As an owner-operator, you are going to work harder than you are now, and in the beginning, you're going to do it for less money. Okay? Please understand that. It's going to be harder. It's going to demand more of you. It's going to demand more of your time. It's going to demand more of your life. It's going to take over. It's worth it in the end. Okay. If you can survive the first two to five years, but it's not easy. And don't ever let someone lead you to the idea somehow that owning a truck is easy. It is not easy. It is hard. It's difficult. It's painful. It's stressful. It's a lot of things worth it. We believe it's worth it if you do it correctly. But please don't get in this, this, this foolish idea in your head. Oh, I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it. No, you're not. You're going to do what the customer tells you uh, they want done, and you're going to do it when they want doing, or you're going to go out of business. So get your head out of your ass. Take that the axis of the universe that was placed in there. Pull that out. Okay, you will throw that away because you are no longer the axis of the universe. You're no longer the most important person. You're the last. You're dead last. When you're in business, you are the last person on earth that gets paid. So we just try to make sure everybody understands when they're watching this particular program that if you are a if you are a candy ass or you're selfish or you think everything's about you, God, please don't buy a truck. Please, please. your life i've gone on a tangent what, what, what do you have to add that's constructive uh, i was just admiring you doing such a great job <clears throat> uh i hear my i hear my voice comes out of your mouth so <laughs> yeah. i just let you do the work that's why i pay you for so no you're right i mean you know all business is hard trucking is really really hard um for various reasons but um <clears throat> yeah you know when we we see it i mean we sometimes we get accused of being arrogant and condescending on these on these podcasts but you have to understand we we've we've earned that uh, because we've watched it we see this happening we we witness it and so we just want to try to spread uh the news to to you and others that this is what you're going to have to deal with if you don't prepare yourself and um you know, I've been in business since 1977, not in trucking, but in business general. And there's nothing more rewarding. There's nothing uh, that I would, I would never, I would change any of that. Um, but, uh, you know, I've worked myself up to a pretty nice position right now, but it was hard. It was, it took a long time to get here. And uh, you have to understand that to get here, you have to serve a customer and you have to solve their problems, but they'll pay you good money if you'll solve their problems and do it in a way that you're and you all are the same way. You just have to put yourself in the, in the position of the customer. You know, you've all been to places where you didn't feel like you got your money's worth or, or worse than that, you got screwed. Um, you know, you just have to make sure that you're not doing that to your customer, you know, by on purpose or by accident that um, if you will give them something that they didn't pay for, 
they will be glad to pay you for something you didn't do. It took me a while to understand that, but once I understood it, I was just like pennies from heaven. You look up and you go, yeah. wow, where did I get this money? You know, um, and uh, another thing somebody told me early, 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 early on in my life, they said, look, if you'll just concentrate on doing a good job and not worry about the money, you'll never have to worry about the money. Right. But people don't understand. They think, oh, I got it. I got it. I can't tell the cheap freight. I've got to make money. But yet, if you would solve a problem, people would not only uh, reward you for that cheap freight, but for, for other things down the road you can't even imagine right now. You know, um, some of our best customers we got because we helped them out of a bind and they never forgot it. And now every time that they have something that's 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 uh, you what you would call a, a big deal, a home run, guess who they call? You know, uh, that's how you build. You know, building relationships is not about buying donuts. It's about helping somebody out of a out of a bad way and then letting them have the chance to scratch your back down the road. Um, but so many people, they 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 don't think about that. They all they think about is, well, I got to get home or I got to do this or I got to do that. And uh, if that's the most important thing to you, you're, you're not going to succeed in business. You're certainly not going to succeed in trucking um, because it's, there's, there's too many other people out there that are willing to do it um, and, uh, and, and, and will, are willing to give them a good deal and value for their money. Um, I mean, I look at our, our guys right now. I've got, I've got people. Yeah, I, I wish you could see the emails that our people send out, the uh, – the, uh, the advertising that they put in their emails, a picture of their truck, the description of what they're doing. We got a couple of people that I'm just, I'm just so proud of them because they get it. You know, they're, they, they sell themselves every, every email to their agent. Um, you know, and, and uh, we've got one that actually puts a survey out and lets them grade them on yep. their performance. Now that's ballsy. Okay. Uh, yeah. I bet you not many truck drivers have put themselves in that situation. But every jo- every load he does, he sends a, a survey and says, "Hey, grade me on how I did for you, so I can learn from this." Um, now, those are the kinds of people that are going to get it, you know. Um, but uh, that's that's what we do here. That's we teach people how to be good business people, uh, because after all, trucking is just another business. It doesn't it, it has some it has some peculiarities. And it's hard, but it's just business. And what works in one business works in any business. And so uh, that's the advantage that I think that I have and and why I feel like I, I bring something to the table here, because I, I approach trucking from a business point of view, not from a trucking point of view. I wasn't a truck driver or a truck per- person prior to getting in this industry. I knew nothing about trucking other than the fact that my son's initials are CDL. There's no connection between me and trucking anywhere. And so I didn't have this prejudice and these biases when I came. I looked at it strictly as a business. And that's really kind of what we're doing here with this shop thing that we're getting ready to announce is that, you know, I look at it as a business. I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not, I don't try to, I'm not a mechanic. Um, and uh, I look at things from my, and I was only being about half, uh, half, uh, halfway kidding a while ago about what would happen if a shop opened up and said, Hey, if you come here and we put a part on your car or your truck that doesn't help it, that fix it, we'll take it back and give, and give your money back. Uh, we won't be able to keep the doors open long enough to take care of the customers. So right. uh, the other thing that we thought about doing is that our prices are split with us. The, the difference between what we charge you to fix it and what you would have, what you paid the person who wouldn't have fixed it. How about you just split that with us? That, that's our, that's our rate. So if, if we, if we save $9,500 on this fuel filter thing, isn't it worth 40, 42 50 for us to fix your truck for you? Um, 
so that's you know we just want to do the right thing for the right people and, and at the right time and uh, and get rewarded for doing uh, what we do, which is really really good quality work. Uh, even though we're not mechanics, you know the fact that we have the ability to spend the time to do a little research and find out that hey, there's nothing to this. All you got to do is have a little common sense and know how to turn a wrench every once in a while and be willing to get dirty and be willing to try, be curious enough to learn. Um, you know, Chris is amazing. You know, he's, he's, he's gone from knowing nothing about uh, mechanicing to watching Carl for a few years and now um, being our primary technician on our trucks. And, uh, I mean, we're, we're getting ready to overhaul motor in our shop with our people. Um, I can't, and you're going to, we're going to, we're going to TikTok that. So you're going to be able to watch it. Uh, but we're going to do that, you yeah. know, and, and uh, you'll be able to see it. Uh, and why? Because we, number one, we think we can, we want to, we want to do it. Uh, because, you know, we, we kind of have this attitude like, look, if another human being can do it, we can do it. We all pull, pull our pants on the same way. And uh, what, somebody, so what somebody knows that has his name on his shirt and has a certificate on the wall, I guarantee I can learn that too. And that's how we look at this. And that's how we go about business. Um, but, um, somebody, somebody asked a question. I think it was Willie. Um, why not teach the truck, the drivers, how to grease the truck? Um, that's not a terrible idea. Okay. But we're trying to teach business, right? <clears throat> um, which is, it, it's already difficult. Okay. What I would, what I could have in my, in my utopia would be, well, I had it with Carl, who, by the way, was listed on the transplant list today. So it's cool. getting ready to happen. Um, we had it with Carl. Okay. I could bring Carl in and this is character. Okay. This is the character of, of Carl <laughs> and, and people like him. <clears throat> Most TA, the reason you get a shitty chassis lube at a TA is because it sucks and they hate doing it. They don't it it we pay $35, I think. $35 or $40 for a chassis. So they're getting a standard service. They're probably getting what 10 or $15 to get underneath the truck. And it's not worth their time. Okay. So they hate it. They don't want to do it. Not Carl. Carl would go under that truck with the exact same um uh, attitude and passion that if he was doing a set of kingpins, right? And so he's looking around. He's under the truck. Well, I'm under here. I might as well look around. Hey, what you going to do about this? So that's what I get in my utopian world is that I don't have to put that on my driver. My driver can just be worried about driving the truck. I should be able to pull up over a grease pit and a qualified professional get under my truck. And while they're hitting the grease zerk, say, Oh, Hey, you know, this is loose. Have you noticed this? Have you seen that? All you got to do is just look around with a flashlight and you could maybe find things that could save me thousands of dollars because you're under there. But no, now that Carl has been sidelined with health issues, um, you know, and I've, I've, I've lubed three chassis in the last couple of days of our trucks that have come through and y'all, I was appalled. And I bought one of those slick Milwaukee M18 grease guns that are fantastic, by the way. And I'm hitting, you're supposed to just hit it for a couple seconds. Well, I hit a couple seconds, nothing happens. 
I hit it a couple more seconds and still ain't nothing happened. I hit it a couple more seconds. And, oh, now it's finally getting grease. Had one we put kingpins on last year. Okay. We went through the whole front axle. Now, when you're doing a grease job and TAT Express on YouTube has a great video about a chassis loop. Wipe off the grease dirt, get all the dirt and grease and stuff off of it. Put your thing on there and do your deal. So I'm wiping. I'm getting ready to wipe the kingpins off on the top. I wipe off, y'all, and the cap comes off in my hand. There is literally the cap. There's a, there's a cap that screws down on top that basically holds everything together with an O-ring to keep the grease in. And it's just laying there, literally being held on by grease and dirt. And I pick it up, and the threads are all boogered up on it. So I call Detroit shop. He's like, hey, I can hit you one here tomorrow. That'd be great. And I said, well, you know what? Since I'm standing here, maybe I ought to go over to the passenger side and check that one too. And so I take a rag, and I wipe, and sure enough, that cap comes off in my hand. Now, Rocky since told me that it's not – crazy that this would happen on a million plus mile truck so it's not necessarily poor craftsmanship when it was put together this could have just happened okay but i promise you in the last year that truck has had eight to ten chassis lubes and ain't nobody ever said a word i'm telling you if you put a grease work on that cap and go, sometimes it takes some force to get that grease spitting off of that zerk. That cap's going to come off in their hand. Did they ever say, hey, man, your cap's not? No, just let me just shove it back down in there, cover it up with grease and not say a word. That is unacceptable. That is absolutely unacceptable that I find something like that by accident. Well, guess what I get to do next week? I get to do my first set of kingpins. Because those kingpin bushings that were put in there last January are now junk, filled with grease and dirt and salt and road grime. So the good news is I get to do my first set of kingpins. The bad news is those should last a million miles, but yet they don't because carelessness. It's just, it's just unacceptable. I'm not in panic. Why, why, why is the fleet manager? Why is the guy with no experience? Why is the guy with no training more trustworthy and a better diagnostician than the people who are literally paid to do that job? That's their job. That's what they get paid to do. I get paid to run a fleet, but I'm, I got to be the damn mechanic too. It's fucking stupid. It's ridiculous that the state of this industry, um, you know, Congress should do something. Oh, it's just, it's insane. Yes, uh, D, the Milwaukee's badass. Now, I'm sure, I, I'm not a Ford versus Chevrolet, DeWalt versus Milwaukee guy. I've got all Milwaukee stuff thanks to Rocky because he bought one. But holy crap, that thing's awesome. You know, a, a, a small toolkit. There, there's a Harbor Freight toolkit. It's like 130 bucks. Um. I've, re I've damn near rebuilt a truck with a $130 Harbor Freight toolkit. And I, I love these guys in the shop. Bless their hearts. They got $8,000 snap-on toolboxes, you know. And I roll in there with my Harbor Freight stuff. 
And I was watching a YouTube video the other day where these guys were going through this multi-million dollar facility that builds carbon fiber airplanes. And they're like little airplanes and they do all these acrobatics and they can pull 10 G's and everything's made out of carbon fiber and titanium. And they're walking through this massive facility and the guy pans around and there is a, there is the exact model of the Harbor Freight tool cart that I use. And I went, Hey, if it's good enough for these guys, it sure as hell is good enough for me. So when the snap on truck pulls in the lot, I go get in a porta potty because I don't want to be tempted by the devil. <clears throat> you will need a seal. Rocky says you will need bushing seal driver ST07 07. Okay. Um, see, this is why we have Rocky around. I mean, I got Rocky on speed dial. Of course, I sent him videos of this stuff when I found it yesterday. Um, by the way, speaking of finding something, we got to go back to the original truck because there's an important detail that we left out. I checked the fuel pressure. I changed the fuel filter. I checked the, the fuel pressure again. And I went, I talked to the owner of the truck and I'm like, well, what do you think? Let's roll the dice on putting a fuel pump on it. Right. And let's just see, maybe the fuel pressure comes up and it changes how the truck runs for $400. It's not, not a, it's not a big gamble. And so I've got my wrench in my hand and I'm taking the, the, the fitting off of that fuel pump and something, I caught something out of the corner of my eye and I look over and I thought, what the hell is that? And I had to move a wiring harness out of the way and the writing and the lettering and all that stuff is fading on it. And I went, is that a turbo 3000 D <laughs> is that, is that the shit that truck and Bozo used to hawk on his midnight radio show for years and years and years. And so we, and, and, and I'm looking at it and it's all faded. Of course, Jared's right there on the Google machine and he's looking at, it. he's like, Nope, look right. There's the label. So the whole time we've had this truck, this turbo 3000 D has been buried behind the interface harness right below the head, right on the side of the block. Nobody ever saw it. Nobody ever mentioned it. El Carl didn't even find it. And I went, okay, that's got to go. I mean, I, I I'm looking here going the coincidence that the whole time we've had this truck, it's, it, it wouldn't pull a greasy string out of a cat's ass. Uh, and here's a turbo 3000 D. So we the, the turbo 3000 D got deleted. Um, and we took it apart, um, and looked down in it. There ain't nothing there. I mean, was it the problem? Uh, I don't know, but you know, I just, I just remember God, the, the turbo 3000 D commercials. It's all you damn heard. If you listen to truck and bozo back in the day. So the turbo 3000 D has been deleted um, and we're going to see how that goes. Now, Larry said there's one on Metro, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And they don't, you don't recommend it. I mean, it never gave you problems, I guess, but. We have to understand what it does. Okay. The terminal 3000 D was only effective. That was way before high pressure fuel rails. Okay. So the physics of this are this. Okay. If you've ever hooked a garden hose up to a sprinkler and you notice that the end of the, where the garden hose is, the sprinkler is higher than the other end. That's because there's no regulation there of the pressure. This Turbo 3000X is an accumulator. It accumulates the, the fuel in this accumulator so that it evens out the pressure. So you have the same amount on both ends of that, of that fuel rail. That's what it was designed to do. That's what the physics are. 
and that's all it is. Just an, it's just a, an accumulator in an air conditioning system is just a tank. It's got a dryer in it, but that's all it is. It's no different than that. Same physics. Um, but they're not necessary when you when we got to high pressure fuel rails because that's what the high pressure fuel rail does, keeps even pressure. So it became unnecessary, and that why that's kind of why it went away. But but uh, but no, that's that. And of course, all this is controversial because you've got people who want to argue with physics and argue with science, and you know um, think that it's. Um, it's just a way of, of uh, make, making a little bit of money, which, you know, I, I can't say either way, but look for what it costs, whatever I could do to try to help my fuel mileage. And I, I, don't, I can't say that it helped, but I, I certainly didn't hurt because that, that truck averaged 9.2 miles per gallon in its lifetime when I drove it. So uh, is that the Turbo 3008? I don't know, but um, but I can't say what it was or it wasn't. But it, the fact is that uh, it certainly didn't hurt anything, so. Your audio is gone. Forgot to hit the button while I was sniffing. Uh, it, it cost us $8 to delete it in fittings. Um, we did take it apart, and it was it was pretty gummed up and, and dirty uh, inside. I mean, it, it did not look well. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to go ahead and put the fuel pump on and see. You know, if it raises the fuel pressure up to 35 PSI, I'm hoping to see some kind of, cause this truck's been tuned. I mean, it ain't been like for lack of trying to get this thing to run. Um, and I mean, we've got another 14 liter Detroit that that thing would just, just all kinds of power, you know, and here's one, it's just a turd and there's something limiting. potential. <clears throat> um, and so I'm trying to find a reasonable, not stupid, expensive ways to try to get the power up. Um, so we'll see, you know, I'm, I've deleted the, 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 delete, uh, deleted the thing and, um, you know, Randy, no, I will not come leave your truck. You can leave your own truck. <laughs> Although I will, I've, I've done, that's something else I've done on, on these trucks is I've done Rocky's kingpin, uh, greasing procedure. I, I jacked the truck up to get both the steer tires off the ground. And I turned them all the way this way and greased them until it pushed the old grease out. And then I turned them the other way and keep greasing, <coughs> excuse me. Um, and, uh, and then turn them back to the center and, and listen, there was a bunch of nasty looking stuff came out of those kingpin bushings. So, um, I think Rocky said to do that, you know, we'll do it like every 120 days or something. You don't have to do it every time, but occasionally you need to get to where you, push all that old grease out of there. Don't just hit it with a couple of pumps, get in there, get them up off the ground to get the weight off of them. And just, just shoot, just run a tube grease through them. <clears throat> How much does an out of service for ELD hurt a small company? Probably pretty bad. I would say, uh, they don't, they don't mess around. Um, any, it doesn't matter with ELD, any out of service is going to be, uh, you know, a, a negative mark against you. You're going to have to have a lot of clean inspections to offset that. So it's looked at on on, on like a percentage basis. So how many inspections did you have, and how many of those were out of service? That's what gets you in trouble. And and there's there's something there that I, I'm I'm hoping to have some conversations with <clears throat> the truck show because there's this conversation 
we're we're separated from because we're leased to a carrier and we, we and we have agents but there's this thing now that that they're using as a metric a broker pulls pulls you up somehow and looks at the number of inspections that you've had and it's it's kind of a way that they're trying to defeat double brokers or fake carriers mainly right, um, right. that, that if, if they pull you up and you've never been inspected by the DOT, they use that as all, oh, well, you mean you must be a fake carrier if you've never been inspected. And I have a huge problem with that metric because I mean, my gosh, we've got 11 trucks. How many times do we get inspected during a year? Maybe five well, I, I, that's, public, that's published. I put that out every quarter or so. So um, look, in, look in the fleet thread and you'll see the numbers. You know, that's just a terrible metric because I wish the general public understood that the truck that you're driving beside on the highway that you may think is safe because the government said so, it may have never, it may have been inspected for a year or two years. I've literally gone two or three years without having my truck inspected. So to use that, I, I would love to find a, a, a metric. Of course, I'd love it to be blockchain. I'd love for us to find a way to combat these fake carriers because fake carriers are real and double brokers are real. Um, there are scam artists that try to steal freight and try to steal loads. <laughs> But using inspections as a metric is just a really, really, really poor way to determine someone's value as a carrier. It's just that's just nonsense. <clears throat> you know, I, I just I'd love to get Anique's take on that. Well, she's talked about it quite a bit. Um, I just I think maybe for people that are on that side of the desk that have never been in a truck, I think they just don't understand that it just doesn't happen. You know, um, the, the way that the, that the regulatory apparatus pats themselves on the back and toots their own horn about how good they are. I mean, y'all, do you realize how many DOT officers would have to exist to, 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 inspect every truck on the road once every six months. It would literally take hundreds of thousands of officers in the state, federal and local. They do not have the resources. It's just not there. And that's why I've tried to make sure my family knows. Listen, you just because a truck's going down the road with an IFTA sticker on it does not mean it's safe. You know, it's probably not been looked at by anybody, much less a, uh, a, a DOT officer that doesn't know what the hell he's looking at. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just crazy. You know, uh, <coughs> if new drivers are Felton J, if new drivers are paying 5,000 or more for a three week CDL school, then basic maintenance like this should be taught. Listen, if I was in charge of truck driving schools, it'd be six months or a year. Um, I mean, it, hell, it ought to be, it, it, ought, it literally should be taught at a trade school for like six months. Um, I mean, listen, we've got an 18 month program and for some people that ain't enough, you know? So 
I was too. Go ahead. <clears throat> For most of them, I think it's too much. I would love to be able to afford, which maybe maybe we can figure out a way to make that happen, but to just bring people that are in our program, bring them in and have them work alongside me in the shop for, hell, three days, you know, or a week. Um, it would it would wildly open your eyes if you worked in a shop for a week and watched things be taken apart and put back together. It just it just connects things in your mind that you can't you can't really get from a YouTube video. Now, I love YouTube, you know, and if it wasn't for Sleeper Dude and Vice Grip Garage, I probably couldn't do a lot of the stuff that I do now. And so I, I I recommend go watch Sleeper Dude and Vice Grip Garage. They work on automotive, but here's the value in what they do. What those two particular channels do is they work on really old equipment that has been sitting sometimes 15, 20, 30, 35 years which is rusted bolts and stuff that won't move. And the stuff that I've learned from them, watching them carefully uh, work through a vehicle that maybe has set for 30 years. Well, those are valuable skills to have because when you get something that won't budge, you need overwhelming force. You need fire. You need, you need, lubricating uh penetrating oil and more fire and more penetrating oil and more fire and a couple of hammers and some big long uh breaker bars but if you go about it the right way you'll get it off without breaking it you know and usually the problem is you just you'll take that big impact gun and put it on something and shoot the fuel to it and then snap well now you're now, now you're really in trouble because you've broken a bolt off in a, in a head or, uh, or something like that. So there's a lot of patience involved in that. Okay. So in our fleet, this was, um, this was last year. This was, this was, uh, December 6th. We had, um, um, seven roadsides and of those seven, three were clean and four had out of service. Two of them were the same truck. Same driver. So seven, seven, seven roadsides. Seven total roadsides. And then four of, of those were out of service. Two on the same, same truck, same, same inspection. Yeah. And one of those was complete bullshit because the guy walked up to the trailer with a tire thumper and went to tires flat. You're out of service with yeah, a tire well, thumper. Um, that's, that's what the numbers are. Okay. So let's call the median. Uh, you know, uh, eight trucks uh, for the year, seven inspections, probably each one of those trucks ran 100,000 miles. That's 800,000 miles in seven inspections. Now extrapolate that out to 3 million trucks. I, I'm sorry, guys. It's just a terrible metric to decide the value of a character, a carrier on, on how many times they've been inspected. It's just the, 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 the enforcement apparatus does not have the capacity uh, to give you good numbers based on that hard work addict. That's a new name. I haven't seen before scenario company driver saves 10 to 15,000 finds a lunatic truck, puts truck in lunatic shop, pay shop while driving company. Then truck sits ready while saving another 15, then lease to a company to haul glass. I, I mean, what's the, what, where's the question? What's the question? Well, it's just a scenario. So a company driver saves ten to fifteen thousand and finds a lunatic truck. Okay. 
put right. the truck in a lunatic shop. You pay the shop while you're driving company. So I guess you, you drive as company driver. And I guess as you get money together, you pay the shop to do the lunatic preparation process. But then the truck sits ready while you're saving another 15,000 and then lease to a company to haul glass. Well, it don't really matter what you're hauling. I'm, I mean, it's. I, I don't see anything problem. I don't see a problem with it. It's a safe way of doing it. It's a it's a less risky way of doing it. Yeah, you're maintaining your current job, and you're doing this on the side with with extra money. Um, you will never, ever, ever regret paying cash for a truck. Nope. You won't. You you won't. You won't regret paying cash for a truck because if you pay cash for it and it's sitting there. Of course, you have to have insurance on it. You know, um, that that's kind of the only tricky part about that is it's not impossible, but it's difficult and expensive to to cover a truck with physical damage insurance that is not leased to a carrier and working. So you do have some risk there that if somebody stole it or a tree fell on it or it got hit by a tornado or whatever, and it's not insured you know, you've got some risk there. Um, but I would, <clears throat> there's, here's how we used to do this. And here's how we do it now, how we used to do it. When I was driving, we would find a truck for 10 grand. We would get it DOT legal. So that's brake brakes, lights, tires, all that. And I would run it. And then while I was running it, I would identify the things that needed fixed. And we would slowly, rehab the truck while it was working well one thing that i noticed while we were doing that is i was watching tire uh, trucks get the tires pulled off of them four or five times and i'm like well hell wouldn't this be easier to just do this once just put it on jack stands take the wheels and tires off of it go through and do what it needs done and then put the tires back on and we're good you end up saving labor that way and you also are saving the opportunity um, to uh, – it, it's going to be much cheaper for me and for us to do this stuff in our shop, okay? A wheel seal is going to cost a fraction of what it's going to cost. An airbag is going to cost a fraction of what it's going to cost if it blows out and I've got to do it on the side of the road somewhere. You know, that, a, a, a road call can be, turn into a 1000 bucks just like that but I can change an airbag in 20 minutes. You only need a three quarter inch socket to change an airbag. Um, you know, there's a lot, and I've got to tell you too, there's a lot of stuff that you can do yourself. Okay. You can change sock shocks by yourself. You need an inch and an eighth socket. You need an inch, inch and an eighth wrench. You might need a, a little map gas, little yellow bottle that you buy at home depot for 40 bucks you might have to get it hot you maybe put new bolts in it put anises on them but you could change a, a whole set of shocks drive shocks steer shocks and cab shocks in three or four hours you can change your own airbags hell you could do your own u joints i mean it's not it's not rocket science you could change your own air dryer you could you could dump the cooling system and put new cooling hoses on it and put new belts on it and you know there's a lot of stuff you can do yourself um, if you take the time 
to learn, you know, watch videos, talk to people. Um, you can get that you can get that rehab cost way, way, way down by doing it yourself. But you've got to have a place to park the truck, which is difficult for people, you know. Um, it's uh, it's just yeah, all vehicles have a maintenance manual and a repair manual. But you have to be willing. You have to be curious. You know, curiosity um, is a is a very valuable trait in a business person. Because if you can look at something, go, I wonder how that works. Well, then you can go start figuring out how that works, and then you can go, well, man, I can go to Harbor Freight and buy a set of sockets and a set of wrenches, and I can do these shock absorbers myself. You know, some somebody might charge you six to eight hundred dollars to put a set of shocks on a truck. You could do it yourself; and it costs zero. Yeah, I've heard of this volunteering for an inspection. Um, but listen, I trust DOT officers much about as much as I trust gas station sushi. I, I mean, that's you know they they uh, they rarely have a clue what the hell they're talking about. You know, just because they got a badge don't mean they know they have any clue what they're talking about. So, you know, am I being detained? All right. Am I free to go? Thank you. I don't answer questions. <laughs> That's how you deal with them. Have you seen this video that went around last year? This guy that refused to help the cops do an inspection. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, he, he wouldn't turn on the turn signals and do all this stuff for him. He was down in Mississippi. Uh, in case you can't read the tea leaves, we are um, opening a shop in Charleston, West Virginia. Um, our intentions are for us to do our own maintenance work there as well as work on other people's trucks. We're going to be a MD alignment shop and a Pittsburgh power remote tune shop, among other things, hopefully an axle surgeon shop. Um, we're going to do all of the um, fuel mileage modifications that we do to our trucks for other people, OPS, FAST, Pittsburgh power products. Um, and, um, you know, we're going to run it like we run our fleet and that's, honest and fair and, and, uh, in a teaching manner. Um, so, um, we'll be, we'll be, uh, announcing that more and more as we get these things lined up. The truck show is going to be a big event for us because we're going to solidify some of these relationships this year at the truck show. Um, and, um, I tell you what we do need though. We need somebody to help us out with a name for the shop. We, we need to have a contest for naming the shop. The person whose name we use will give them a free MD alignment. So you guys start start emailing in or, or texting in your your recommendations for the name of our shop. Obviously, we'd like for it to be identified with us somehow, uh, so people know that it's, it's attached to us. But we're looking for ideas there. So help us out, guys and gals. <clears throat> I mean, the shop really already has a name. I mean, we're we're working with cam service center um yeah but we're gonna be a shop within the shop is how it's gonna work so 
Right. Uh, so, cams is the building will be cams. We're renting a bay from cams, which we'll be doing our work in. So our portion of the shop is not cams. It's not connected to cams other than we, we share a spot. So, uh, all right. So here's a question. What's a good, I guess, price for a truck with 450,000 miles? Uh, mileage don't matter. I don't care. About the mileage. least you can get it for. Um, so, it, you, you've got you, the first thing you've got to do is stop thinking that mileage matters. Right. Um, there was a, there was a Western star car hauler in a cam shop this past week with 440,000 miles and the leaf springs were just about to leave the chat. Uh, there's a video of it on our TikTok. Or uh, you can tell them with 450,000 miles. It looks like it just came off the showroom floor. So or, that's it, or you can find one with a million miles that right. looks like it came off Sharon floor. Um, so mileage has nothing to do with it. A $450,000 truck. If I found a $450,000 truck or 450,000 mile truck truck, I can promise you it's going to need at least $15,000 worth of work before I would haul freight with it. Mm -hmm. uh, because all the bushings are going to be wore out. It's probably going to have to have wheel bearings tightened. Um, it's Tired. going to have, you know, it, it's going to need an overhead. It, it, it's going to need a lot of work. Um, oh, I didn't send you this video. Um, there was a 2024 Cascadia ED15 was on the lot yesterday with 24,000 miles. Well, he says 42. It's 42,000 or 24,000. Wasn't a lot of miles. Dude, that thing was choo-chooing like a mo locomotive coming out of the oil filter cap. I mean, it was just blow by, blown head gasket, mm. 24 or 4, whatever, a 2024. You know, and the driver was like, I got a coolant leak. <laughs> oh, brother, mm -hmm. you have so much more than a coolant leak. <laughs> uh. <clears throat> it's just the... And of course, we're in this society. We're just trained to believe that warranties are good, and oh, let me get a low mileage truck. That means nothing, nothing. I, I've got trucks in the fleet with way over a million miles. One's got almost two million on it. I think Richie's is the highest mileage truck we've got next to Metro, and it's at like one point seven, well, almost one point eight million. I would, I would. If it wasn't illegal, I'd drive that truck to California without without any hesitation. Um, oh, it was 42,000 kilometers. Must have been a Canadian. Um, but, wow. I mean, brand new truck with a blown head gasket. That's 28,000 miles. I would hate to see uh, – we're getting names here. One was the psych ward. Barb says gold medal repair. Um, I like the psych ward. <laughs> That's where we probably should end up. Um, but, uh, you know, and I was, I was at the Detroit shop today picking up some parts and I was railing against Kenworth and, uh, Steve was telling me that they had to order a radiator hose. Let me say it again. A radiator hose for a Peterbilt. And they said, all right, well, it's a seven-day lead time. And he was like, can I can I pay freight to overnight it? And they said, no, because they're made to order. 
why? You, you, you can't make an extra one while you're making the rest of them so we don't have to wait seven days for a radiator hose? Man, Picar needs to. Hmm. Oh. That explains it. Uh, yeah. Listen, I'm an old school guy. I love the old Peterbilts and Kenworths, but Picar can suck it. Okay. Picar can. I mean, that's just, and we've seen it on Kenworths too. Had this, this stupid, it was on T6A, this convoluted uh, coolant pipe that had all this branches and shit coming off of it. And I'm like, well, uh, can you get me one tomorrow? No, they're made to order. It'll be here in about a week. Do these morons not know? We have to get it permission for us to put it on oh, from Kenworth. Yeah. yeah, that really chapped my ass when the, we wanted to turn the truck up. Well, have you got Kenworth's permission? I'm like, we own the truck. I don't need Kenworth's permission. Oh, no, you got to get permission from Kenworth to do anything in the ECM. All right, well, Kenworth can they can kiss my shiny red ass. Take a, take a picture of my ass and send it to him and request yeah. that they kiss it. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, we're not doing that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, but but it's and that's part of the you know you have people fighting for this they call it right to repair um that edison motors guy on tiktok was talking about the other day uh the dt12 he was talking about the dt12 transmission you know that you can't order parts to rebuild a dt12 transmission you just have to order a new transmission nine thousand dollars for a transmission when a 10 speed Eaton Fuller you can buy for 3000, you could probably rebuild it for a grand, you know? Mm -hmm. And now that I've watched a YouTube video, I could probably rebuild one for less than a thousand dollars. You know, uh, it's just, I, I get the, the whole right to repair thing, but I'm going to use the same argument against the right to repair do, but people, as I do the, the broker transparency, you're wanting the people that caused the problem to fix the problem. Well, guess what? That ain't going to happen. Have y'all met the president of the United States? Good God. Half-baked potato up there. Don't even know where he's at. And then and then they, they got a new FMCSA uh, chief executive, whatever, coming along. And somebody's like, well, this lady's resigning. I'm like, don't worry. They'll replace her with somebody worse. Don't worry about that at all. Can I say about right to repair? I can say I'm right to say no. I right to buy something else. Yeah. That's right to buy Freightliner. Well, years ago, we did a podcast. One of our early podcasts that we did was about why people were buying, farmers were buying 40-year-old tractors. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Why were they buying 40-year-old tractors? Because John Deere wants to sell them a tractor for $80,000 that they can't fix. Right. You know? Uh, we've got a Massey Ferguson here. My, it's my brother-in-law's. We're on 40 acres. And... uh. It's a massive Ferguson. It's got a damn DPF filter on it. So he's out brush hogging one day and the damn thing just shuts off, you know, and we got to get a service truck out here. Uh, I don't even know how much that costs, you know? So anyway, um, well, let's talk about the truck show. Uh, we'll get the truck show coming up in about a month. We will be out there on Thursday. I don't have my glasses on. I can't see my calendar. I got this big ass calendar on the wall, but I can't see it without my glasses. I can help you out here. 
the twenty the twenty first. We'll be out there on Thursday, the twenty first, at the casino, Caesar, Southern Indiana. So we're gonna have a little impromptu get together, informal. informal. We'll be there if y'all want to see us. Stop by on Friday. We will be in the Pittsburgh Power booth and area. Uh, and all of our people are there, MD alignment. Rocky will be there. Kevin Beckett will be there. Fleet Air Filter people will be there. Uh, the FAST booth is right there beside Pittsburgh Power. And then on Saturday, we'll be uh, cahooting over in the Landstar booth with uh, all the Landstar people. So you got two opportunities, well, three opportunities to come see us. Then on Saturday night, we're going to be having our private dinner with our our drivers, kind of awards banquet and yearly get together with fantastic prime rib. It is prime rib again, right? Mm-hmm. Mm, buddy, I can already taste it. Um, <clears throat> so, and there's, and, and I guess pretty much nobody's bringing kids because kids aren't allowed. So, you know, it's going to be kind of an adult getaway where we can all. <clears throat> well, let's clarify that. They're not, that they're not allowed except this is inside the casino right. property. So you have to be 21 to be able to get in the property. Yeah. That eliminates the, anybody that's under 21 from being able to attend. So if you got a young girlfriend, she can't come either. So yeah, um, we're not we're not uh, we're not um, we're not excluding. We're not saying you can't bring them to the show. But I right. my 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 nine year old would love it, but I can't I, I can't leave him unattended in the hotel room. So that's correct. That, that was a little difficult, but uh, we're looking forward to be out there and meet people and hang out and talk and all that kind of stuff. Why don't you talk about Pittsburgh Power since they pay us to do this? Okay. All right. Uh, the sponsor is on the screen. Um, we are sponsored by Pittsburgh Power. We've been, we've been friends for a long time. Um, we've been using their products since 2009. They've been sponsors. What about? two years now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are stocking distributors of the max mileage, um, fuel born catalyst and OPS products. You can buy them on our website, blue ribbon logistics.com and we can ship them out or you can stop by the shop in Charleston, uh, at cams and pick them up and meet you there and bring you whatever you need. Uh, we're working on, like Larry said, we're working on getting into the position to do installs of OPS and fleet air filters and, fast systems and all that kind of stuff. It's just going to take some time to get all that set up, but that's, uh, that's what we'd like to do. And cams has pretty much turned into a 24 hour outfit. So, um, you know, they're, they're available 24 seven pretty much. And, um, you know, we, we're just trying to create solutions for everybody. You know, that that's what we're, that's what we're after. Oh. Yeah, John Cruz, it's better to start out buying a $10,000 truck and doing maintenance on them than buying a ready-to-go truck. Well, and really, there is no ready-to-go truck. Uh, Rocky will tell you that even a brand-new truck coming off the lot don't have a good alignment, you know. Um, and, and, of course, the quality of, of – I remember, you know, being in this business since 97 – you literally could go buy a 99 or 2000 model Freightliner, Peterbilt, Kenworth, International, didn't matter. 
and, and have a very trouble-free existence because they were just very simple machines. You know, if they had air, fuel, and compression, they would run. Uh, even if they didn't run great, they'd still run and haul freight and make money. And now we got all this convoluted nonsense on these trucks and high pressure fuel pumps and a bunch of unnecessary garbage that doesn't have anything to do with being able to haul freight. Um, so, um, we'll point out that, um, the, the CMC that I talk about all the time, how I got started in, uh, in trucking, uh, that event is being, um, put on at the truck show this year in a, in a, in a um, compressed way. Uh, those of you who are interested in, in, in knowing what that more about, more about that, um, um, Kevin is going to do it on Wednesday before the truck show. Uh, there's limited to 200 seats. It's a hundred bucks, which is a bargain because it costs like 1800 plus your room and board to go to the week long event out in Kansas city. So this is a bargain. And, um, so while you're at the truck show, come a day early and attend the CMC, uh, meet Kevin and 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 uh, get a little expertise there and run your business and uh, make some good connections there. Um, well, we'll all be there that day. So, um, all right, here's a quick whip. With long hood, reliable pre-emissions is not possible to be lunatic. Here's the thing, okay? I'm a boy. I like trucks, okay? Which means I love the hoods. I love the chrome. I love how they drive. I love how they handle. I love how they ride. I love everything about them. But fuel is your number one expense as an owner-operator. Remember that our model is teaching the first-time owner-operator. The first-time uh, uh, owner-operator does not need a truck with a hood. The first-time owner-operator needs a truck that is cheap, efficient, and reliable. And unfortunately, W9s, 379s, Classics, FLDs do not fit that bill. That's why we run Columbia's, because they are cheap, they are efficient, and they are reliable. Are they comfortable? No. Do now, they ride? I, am, I am a man, and I like money. Right. So my answer to that is absolutely not, because it is, it's is—it's more expensive to do that than to not, because uh, they're never, ever, ever going to get the fuel mileage back that you sacrifice with that hood. Uh, and the other parts of that setup. And um, I do this for money, not for anything else. I don't care what people think about what I drive. Uh, I don't much care about people think, think about me, period. But uh, I would not give away thousands of dollars in fuel savings um, in, to, in order to drive one of those trucks. I've driven one or two, and I don't see what, what the big deal is. I thought it was the worst driving truck I ever drove. You drove a day cab, Hush. It sucked. It I had a hood. I'm sure it did. I'm sure it did, but you, of course, had of course I got out of the best driving truck that's ever made. Okay. But I'm going to tell you, all right, given your long and illustrious life on earth, you have driven some really nice vehicles. Okay. Mm -hmm. You have, 
And you're that. Let me tell you about that damn BMW you came up here in the last time. And oh, he just all he did was, oh God, I gotta have one of these. This BMW so awesome, and it's this and, and Peterbilt Kenworth is BMW versus one of those cars that you hate. Okay, now, but you would not haul freight with that BMW if you were a medical courier when you could do it with a Toyota Corolla that cost a third of what that BMW did. That's the point here. It's not that the Peterbilts aren't reliable. It's not that it's, it's about efficiency and you need every advantage. When you start a new business, it doesn't matter if you're swinging a hammer, doesn't matter if you're a plumber, doesn't matter if you're driving a truck, you've got to have every possible advantage that you can have when your business is new and going out and overpaying for Peterbilt, a Kenworth, or a Classic, because you are going to way overpay. A $10,000 W9 probably don't have any wheels on it, okay? And and it's got rods hanging out of the block. A $10,000 Freightliner will go haul freight, okay? That's what we're getting at. You need Now, we're not saying you can't have one, but you can only have one when you have been in business and you're stable and you can go pay cash for it, which is why it's okay for me to buy the BMW. It meets the, it meets that those um, criteria. Uh, Chris brings more information about that 2024. He said he's seen the guy today at Freightliner with a bad engine. They told him he'd be down about a month. Hmm. Long Tom down, still got to make a big payment, and he'll probably owe Freightliner something when it's done. <clears throat> you know. We we literally, we literally have overhauled a Detroit a, D, a Detroit diesel sixty series overnight, literally. Well, over a weekend, yes, yeah. I mean, it's it literally can be done in a weekend for fifteen thousand mm-hmm. um, dollars. A DD fifteen is thirty five grand. I've seen them rebuilt for twenty five if you're using OEM parts and you could probably get it down around eighteen to twenty if you use like PAI or McB. Um, unless you need a unless you need a head. I think that was including a head. It was. Chris if Chris is still on he I think the one that they did, it got everything. And I think it was twenty five, twenty six, something like that. But it took forever. My God, trying to find parts for that stupid thing. That that dude lived in the damn parking lot of the shop, I swear to God, for two months. And it wasn't because they couldn't put the thing together. Well, they couldn't put it together because they didn't have any parts. You know, that that's and 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 I mean they scoured America looking for parts for this engine and finally found them. Um you know, it it's just managing risk. That's the reason the Freightliner versus the Pete or the Kenworth. It's all about managing risk, you know, and there's always one guy that comes along. Well, I did it. Okay. You're the exception, not the rule. I'll tell you another thing you'll never hear at our shop, the words national back order. That'll never come out of our mouth. Right. Right. I may say those words that somebody told me it was national back order, but give me a, give me a cell phone and internet connection and in a couple hours and I'll have one on the way and it'll be here tomorrow. Right. Um, but that's the deal. Rocky says uh, he'll be at the MD booth Thursday through Saturday. So come by and say hi. 
So Rocky will be there. I mean, the, the truck show is almost hard to describe. It's a networking. You, it's networking paradise. You can't. You you can't wrap your mind around a million square feet. That's a lot of feet, you know, mm-hmm. a million square feet. And there's anything and everything you've ever wanted for a truck under that roof. There's stuff that you hadn't even heard of, you know, that's where we, how's we got the toter, you know, we met, uh, was it Jim was his name? I think Jim or John or something like that from pro tote. Um, I mean, it's all out there. Um, but like Larry said, it's a great networking opportunity to meet people. Um, there's probably a few you should avoid, you know, um, but overall, it's just an amazing experience that there's that much trucking related. It's the biggest trade show in America. Um, they, I think a lot of other shows are like shows. They're, you know, pride and polish and all that kind of stuff. This is a trade show. You know, this is, this is where people go to display and, and, um, and release new products and, and, and just show you stuff you've never heard of. So, uh, Rocky says, hold on, Larry. My parts guy down here that is the best had some drag links that were on national bike order at one time for older clumps. Yeah, I remember that. There was a um um there was a awful time getting drag links for Columbia's. Um and there was something else the other day we ran into that was hard to get, and I can't think of what it was right now, but a lot of times it's a manufacturing issue, you know, where we're, we're what three years now coming out of operation enduring clusterfuck and we're still dealing with the dealing with the problems that were created then serious question from hard work addict. So if said company driver happened to stumble upon a Freightliner classic that was sub 10 K it's still a no go. Yes. And here's why. Number one, fuel mileage. That's number one. Number two, the Classic is built on the FLD platform, which is a great truck. Fantastic truck. But I want you to to put yourself in the driver's seat, okay? And you're going down the road, and you got your tunes going, and boom, all of a sudden, something's happened to my truck, and I hit the shoulder. Having an FLD versus having a Columbia is going to create a problem for you. It's going to create an additional problem for you because the, the, the classic has been out of production now since 07, I think 07, I think is when they stopped. Um, that's 17 years. That truck's been out of production. The, 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 the foundation of that truck, they were still making Columbia gliders, uh, last I heard a couple years ago. So all of the, all of the parts and body and suspension and all that kind of stuff was still in production a couple of years ago, making glider kits. Um, so there's, there's a healthy, uh, supply chain, not for the FLD. I have a friend that has an amazing, beautiful, uh, I mean, dude painted his engine to match his truck, uh, 2000, 2001, but he's literally had to fabricate his own parts for like door pieces 
you know, something in the door handle quit working. He couldn't get it. And he literally had to get out saws and hammers and drills and shit and build his own parts because they were no longer available. So no, a, a, a classic is an absolute no go for your first truck. And it's a practical thing. Yeah, I remember that every mile you drive that compared to driving a aerodynamic truck, you're giving away at least one mile per gallon. If you, if you, if you add up what that cost is over the course of the life of that truck, it is tens of thousands of dollars. So it's, it's a, it's a price you're paying for that for reputation or image that is just not worth it because why do you, why do you, who are you impressing? You know, mm -hmm. I would rather impress people with my bank account than what I drive because uh, my bank account can let me retire while I drive cannot. So just, just look at it from a practical, it, look, they're, they're great trucks. I'm sure I don't care about them because I don't give a shit about a truck. Um, but, um, you know, I mean, I know that you guys do, but uh, it, to me, it, it makes no difference to me. But uh, I do see the practical side of it where it's hard to get parts for them. They're expensive. And uh, and you give away so much money every year in fuel mileage that you can't get back. And there's no way to make it. I don't care what you do. You can make them identical trucks, but an aerodynamic truck is always going to be at least a mile or a mile and a half miles per gallon more efficient than a, a hood. Um it's just if you're in business to make money, it doesn't make any sense. The calculator will not support that decision. And that's how we make decisions. Right. And, and again, <clears throat> I mean, I, the last hood truck that I drove was Rocky's classic, which is probably the most, the best maintained classic in the history of classics. I mean, you could drive the thing down the road with one finger on the steering wheel. I mean, it just was straight as an arrow, handled like a dream. It rode like a dream. Um, uh, I loved that truck. I loved driving that truck. Boy, I'm sure so glad I didn't have to pay the feed bill on that thing because it was a nightmare at, at the fuel station. Um, so no, 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 no classic. Now build your business to where your business is now an asset and you won't go buy a toy, go buy a toy. <clears throat> it's no different going and buying a Corvette to play with. That doesn't matter, but not when your business is less than five years old. Do not do it. Excuse me. Well, uh, one hour and 57 minutes, 30 seconds. I think it's time, uh, a good time to shut her down. Yep. So we will, um, we will be back with you next Friday. Uh, at eight o'clock, which will be the 24th. No, it's the 23rd. It's my birthday. It's a birthday. Yeah, I, I, I may not be here next Friday because I've got a medical oh, procedure that day. That's, that's true. Mary, Larry has a, a procedure next week, so I'm going to have to find a co-host. It'll be a birthday extravaganza because it will be my 48th birthday. So well, happy, happy birthday, but I will be trying to, trying to live through my to my 71st. So, right. Um, they're going to, uh, you, you probably don't get a Motley Crue reference, do you? Probably not. They've, they've got a song called kick start my heart. And it sounds the yeah. beginning of it sounds like a drag car going, you know, going down the track. Yeah. Well, that's, they're going to, I hope they don't have to do that, but that's a possibility. So. Yeah. Well, they're going to, they're going to do a factory reset on Larry, you know, they're, right, they're going right. to turn him off and turn him back on and see, if, you know, if it fixes his problem. So, 
Yeah. Hopefully, when they turn you off, they'll be able to turn you back on. Uh, I hope I'm not. Uh, I'm I'm a little concerned about that, but uh, um, I refer to it as my execution date. <laughs> yeah. Well, li- listen. Please do not go in on my birthday. I would appreciate you not doing that. You know. <clears throat> so. Well, uh, everybody keep Larry in your thoughts next week as he has his procedure. And uh, like I said, Carl is officially on the transplant list. So that's going to be good. So I do appreciate all the people who have, who have uh, reached out and, and wish me well. Thank you very much for that. I appreciate that. Um, and I'm doing fine. My voice is not right yet. I'm going to have to – they're going to look at that too. They think that maybe – <clears throat> my vocal cords have been uh, affected somehow and they're going to actually physically look at those and see if there's uh, some issue there or it's just a matter of just waiting for it to come back. Here's the deal. Okay. Uh, technically speaking, I'm not supposed to do anything. Okay. I'm not supposed to do anything, but, but yet I've been working the entire time. Now, Chris has pitched in and helped a lot, but still I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, not working. And so, um, my uh, some of my recovery is going to be de- delayed or extended because of the fact that I won't stay in bed all day. Um, but uh, I wouldn't do that anyway. So uh, I told the doctor, I said, I'd be more anxious doing that than I would be working. Right. You don't know who I work with. Okay. Let, letting them be, letting them have the keys to the castle uh, without me watching them. No, no, that ain't going to happen. So, yeah. Mm. Maybe, maybe have you? Have, he's have, already he's already pretty loose with my money now. I can't imagine me giving him blank check for a couple of weeks. He had to come back and and I, I I wouldn't recognize my bank account. I'm sure. Have they considered? Have they given any consideration to the lack of bourbon that you had over the last six weeks? Has had? yeah, and about that, uh, I'm on a I'm on a, a drug called uh, Eliquis, and I can't. Uh, it's a blood thinner, and so I can't drink alcohol while I'm on that blood thinner. But I won't be on a blood thinner forever. So, yeah, um, yeah, that's that's been a topic of discussion. <laughs> um, well, so, I have to make up for lost time once we once we get yeah get there. Plus, I've got a deputy sheriff in my house that lives with me, uh-huh. and whatever they say, she takes it as the gospel truth. You know, yeah. she loves authority. Yeah. Well, somebody's got to be in charge. You know. Well, well she is. Don't worry about that. <laughs> um. But I'm sure I scared the hell out of her. She's the one that found me, and she's the one that made it. actually she saved my life literally because uh, I I didn't I didn't feel anything. I mean, I, I didn't have any idea that I'd had a TIA. I knew that I couldn't get my phone to answer. You were calling me, and I couldn't answer the phone. And then somebody came to the door, and I couldn't answer the door. But other than that, I didn't feel bad. I didn't I didn't hurt or anything. I would I would have. And I asked her. I said, No, don't call the ambulance. I'm fine. Well, the very, the very, the, the the most correct thing to do was to call the ambulance because there's a window of opportunity for you to get these drugs in you that will dissolve the clot and and keep you from having damage. But that window is very narrow, and and I we I was in that window only because of Mary Lou, only because of Mary Lou. Yeah. So and then I'm one, there's only one out of, one out of three people does the drugs work on, and I was one of those one out of three. So. It's been, you know, it, it's not lucky that I had it, but it's lucky the way I had it and when I had it and where I had it. So, um, well, fortunately, we have now um, evidence that will live forever that you just need to do what your wife tells you to do. 
right? <laughs> and you fully accept that well, if you just do what you're told, everything will work out. Well, we also have evidence that I have an excuse for making dumb mistakes every once in a while. I've got <laughs> I've literally got dead brain cells, literally. Yeah. So um Alrighty. Uh, well, the the show will be back with you next Friday. Larry will be back in a couple of weeks, and we'll keep you updated on his progress. And uh, so until then, everybody, uh, have fun and be safe, and we'll see you next time. Yeah. Look forward to seeing everybody at the truck show, okay? Right. You guys be safe this week. Thank you. <laughs>